Father, thank you so much for the faithfulness of your people. God, thank you for already what we've experienced, Lord, the power of your presence among us. Lord, there is nothing like it. Lord, it's hard to describe uh, what happens when we gather in your name, Lord, and we just thank you for that. God, that mystery of you meeting us and being among us, I pray a blessing over every single uh, giver today. God, that they would be abundantly, abundantly blessed in Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right, before we um, go into the sermon, I wanted to just take a moment to pray for Israel, right? Um, I I was seeing just... um, you know, just what's going on. I have a friend in, that I met in Israel three and a half years ago. His name is Aviad. And uh, he's a tour guide there and was actually a high-ranking official in the IDF. And so he was showing this clip of these uh, missiles, you know, coming from Hamas, coming from the Gaza Strip. And what's called the Iron Dome is Israel's defense, um, you know, mechanism to, you know, shoot those missiles down before they ever land. And he reminded us in this post of a quote from Benjamin Netanyahu that even the head of the IDF uh, that I got to meet three and a half years ago, that was intimidating. I didn't say anything. I just sat there like quiet. Um, It was was really neat. You know, he, he shared something that we've heard Benjamin Netanyahu say a few times. If Hamas uh, puts their missiles down, their weapons down, there is peace. If Israel puts their weapons down, we die. And so they only, he said, we only use our weapons to defend ourselves. And it's important that you know that because not every news network will tell you that accurately. So Christians, it's important that you know that. So I want to just take a minute to pray. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the protection. God, but we know that already there's been over 80 people killed in Israel. And Father, we thank you for angelic visitation. God, I thank you that even when we think back to the Six-Day War and the other times when there was angels present, multiple eyewitness accounts of angels stopping the enemy, I thank you that that can happen again and that will happen again. God, that you would fight on their behalf. God, we know that they are a special people and that is a special place. God, we, your children uh, as Gentiles, have been grafted in to the people of Israel, to the family of God. And so, God, we pray protection Can everybody just say protection? We pray protection over them right now. God, we thank you for peace, Lord. We thank you for peace. Can everybody just say peace? God, I thank you that right now I want to pray for every single person in Hamas, that they would have an encounter with you. God, that they would literally have revelations of Jesus in their living room, in their bedroom. God, that they would have revelations of of Jesus, encounters with your son. And God, that they would turn their hearts to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we're doing a nine-week series called Why, right? Why. Uh, Why we worship, why we study God's Word, why we plant churches. And uh, it's funny, there's this new new pastor in Warren, and he wanted to meet to get to know each other. And he said, what's God put on your heart lately? What What are you preaching? And and I said, I'm starting this series, but I was calling it Doctrine, and that's kind of boring, so I'm calling it Why. <laughs> he laughed. It's a, yeah, the, the struggle's real when you're trying to title your sermon. But Doctrine matters. What you believe and why you believe it matters. Everybody put your hand right here in your heart. Why you believe what you believe, you know, it really matters. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So, uh, man, where is um, the guy who's playing guitar, Dave? 
Where are you at? I just, I just feel like I want to share something with you. Can you reach your hands towards Dave? You're getting ordained, Will said. Come on. I see you, man. Um, so I see you in an office with like a lot of windows and glass. And uh, you have a lot of ideas. Um, and you want to do things in a new way. And God says, that's great. Those are my ideas. Don't discount them. Uh, Lord wants to, to say this to you, I believe. Don't discount those ideas. Uh, God has given you an innovative mind. Um, some of those ideas are not crazy ideas. The Lord says, they are my ideas. And I have blessed you with a keen mind. David, I, I see you... Um, sometimes working into the night on things that are extra, right? So uh, it's not even a part of what would be normally expected for the season you're in. But God says, I am anointing uh, not only what you do, but the extra. Father, I thank you for the extra. Actually, let's all prophesy together. Say extra. There's some extra stuff. Father, I thank you for some extra things that he thinks... Well, maybe this is good. No, God just wants to encourage you this morning. You want to do things in a new way. You're going to take some risk. I'm going to tell you now, you will be misunderstood, and that's okay. Um, I thank you, Father. Thank you for the courage to push past being misunderstood. I want to say that again. I thank you now for the courage to push past being misunderstood because you are going to use him. You're going to use him, God. You're going to use him, Lord. Lord says you're like a Daniel, too. Your, your convictions are very strong, and you don't budge. And I thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you because of his convictions, because of his Daniel-like calling. You're going to bring a lot of blessing to a lot of people that are surrounded. Um, David, there's people around you that are going to know their blessing is because they're connected to you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen. Amen. So we're going to do, we're doing this series called Why, Why We Worship. And by the way, can we give Will Collins a, a hand? Because he hit it out of the park last. Where are you at, Will? Are you over there? Yeah. Such a great job. Such a great job. Worship brings unity to God's people, and it sets us apart from the world. And what a powerful message we heard from him. And he referenced Gideon. And what was cool is he didn't know I had Gideon in my uh, plan. So we're going to talk about that story more uh, today. Turn in your Bibles, if you want, to Judges uh, 6. Uh, most, but not all, the scriptures are going to be on the screen today. And um, just thankful for the Word of God. Who's thankful for the Word of God? In fact, that's the next part of this series. Why, why we study the Word? Why is the Word important? So as you're turning there, when David comes on the scene, okay, he creates this tabernacle, but it's mobile as we know. He wants to build a permanent house for God, uh, but God tells him, you know, there's too much blood on his hands and that his son Solomon would build this temple. And there's this big, ornate, beautiful temple, lavish, the spirit shared, no expenses, is beautiful. And worship has always been a way in which the people of God connect with God. And I want you to hear this. They're identified as the people of God. 
And so I referenced the temple because we're going to come back to this idea throughout the sermon. I've talked about it a lot, actually, in the last two months, talking about the old tabernacle. So we understand we are now the tabernacle. We are the tent of meeting. How many of you guys remember that, right, from the last series? We are the place where people can meet God because now we are the place, living stones. We are being built up together to bring glory to his name. Amen? I'm getting excited and getting ahead of myself. I need to get back to my notes. All right, here we go. You and I as Gentiles are grafted into the people of Israel, the family of God. How does this happen? When we allow Jesus to forgive us of our sin, right? We are adopted into uh, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, the family of God, where we become all sons and daughters of God. If you know me well, it's my favorite thing to preach about, is the family of God, sons and daughters So worship is our response to this grace given to us. Worship is our response to the goodness of God. In fact, can everybody read that line with me? Worship is our response to the goodness of God in song, in practice, and in life. So I wanted to lay that foundation for you today because I I don't want you to hear this series and think, you know, worship is about coming to church. No, you are the church. Everybody put your hand on your chest again. Say, I am the church. All right? All right, so... Will referenced this uh, last week uh, briefly when he was telling his testimony. And I want to kind of set the scene here. When Gideon comes on the scene, the nation of Israel is in great distress. They didn't have a solid leader since Joshua, right? The Lord had always been faithful uh, to raise up a leader to deliver his people and in a way that invites them to repent and to turn to God. It would be five centuries. Everybody say five centuries. Five centuries before King David comes on the scene. This is the time of the judges, okay? I think most of us would identify with Gideon. Maybe some of you would identify with Samson. I'm sorry if you do. Um, Samson's, you know, a little little crazy, but God used him. All right, I mean, is anybody else tying torches to foxes' tails? Anybody? Mick, you seem like the type. You might do that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so maybe like Gideon, you, you believe Uh, you know, you have a hard time believing in yourself that God could do anything with your life. In fact, how many of you would at least nod with me that sometimes when you hear stories of miracles or you hear me or Pastor Mark or Will or somebody share, you just fight this, this feeling of, man, my life is average. Miracles don't happen in my life. Nod at me if you know, if that's you. Yeah, we, uh, we all fight that lie at times that, no, pastor, you see, my life is very average. It's always been average. It's going to remain average. But that's not what God intends. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not what God intends. So let me set the scene for you. Imagine having your food stolen out of your home week after week after... <laughs> I just had a funny thought cross my mind. I'm sorry. It's, that's how I feel as a dad of five. <laughs> right as I read that, I was like, wow, that happens to me every single time I put food. Uh, any dads out there, you put a drink, you, you put a Coke down, right? You turn and then your Coke's gone and your children are running off like cats. Yeah, that's, I just hit me right there. Sorry. All right, focus. Imagine <laughs> you have your food stolen Over and over. Imagine you work, right, 40 hours a week or maybe 50 hours a week, and someone comes into your bank account every single Friday after you deposit your check, and every Monday you go to the bank, and 90% of it is gone. 
How many of you guys would have a little talk with the teller, right? Well, what if this happened week after week, month after month, and they said, I'm sorry, you know, there's just so many hackers right now, and you go to the next bank, and the same thing is happening there, and everything you're earning is being stolen. Let that sink in. How many would feel kind of helpless, kind of hopeless? This is the state of the people of Israel. This is the battle they were in, and they needed a victory. So this is how they felt. The Midianites, the Amalekites were oppressing the people of Israel for seven years. John, imagine seven years, everything in your bank account just keeps getting wiped out. So is your family and your friends and your neighbors, and there's no explanation. Sorry, they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. Can't do anything about it. That's the scene, okay? So Judges 6. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. That is not Oprah. I know. It looks like Oprah. It is not. Which belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, when his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Or the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon said to him, please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? And maybe you find yourself in this place today. If the Lord is with us, then why has this abuse happened in my family? If the Lord is with us, then why did I get fired from my job? If the Lord is with us, right, we've all been in times like that. And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. He's forgotten us, right? And he's given us into the hand of the enemy. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the might of yours. Another translation says, go in the might that you have and save Israel from the hand of the Midian. Did I not send you? And he said, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. Does that sound like his promise to Abraham? Does it sound like his promise to Joshua, to Moses? I will be with you. Does it sound like the promise Jesus gave to his disciples, thereby to you, I will be with you. Amen? I will be with you. Look at that. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. Has anybody ever do this? You ever heard the phrase in maybe Christianity like a fleece? Anybody do the fleece thing? Yeah. The fleece thing's kind of funny. If you ever wonder where that came from, here you go. This is a bizarre story. I, you know, there's times as a pastor you want to just sum it up and for the sake of time. Uh, I actually want to read this whole passage to you. This is interesting. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and I bring out a present that I set before you. And he says, I will stay until you return. It's like, humor me, right? So Gideon went into his house and he prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour and the meat he put into a basket and the broth he put into a pot. He brought them underneath the terebinth and presented to him. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cake and put them on this rock here. Pour the broth over it. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened cake, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat. Everybody say, that's weird. And we ever make dinner? It's gone. Actually, back to our sermon illustration from earlier. How did I read this? Like three times this week, and I didn't see that, that 
right there. Okay. Gideon perceived, maybe Gideon just had lots of kids. I don't know. All right. Gideon perceived this was an angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Lord God, now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. I love that. He received peace before the victory was won. We'll come back to that. What a crazy God moment. I don't know about you, but I've never made a meal for God and then watched it just go up in flames, right? God sees something in Gideon. Gideon doesn't see in Gideon. God sees a promise. God sees a miracle, and this is also true of you. God does see your potential. God does see your abilities. God does see your spiritual gifts, and God does see your passion. God has a way of seeing amazing things in store for your future that we simply can't see for ourselves until we worship him until we encounter him. Amen? We're often blinded by the identity of our victimhood. Sadly, sometimes we lay claim to remaining a victim. And God convinces Gideon to change his mindset, to believe differently about his circumstances and to begin with himself. That the Lord is with him. And if the Lord is with him, And if the Lord is with you, there is a majority there. Amen? Now, you have to also know that that Gideon is a type of Christ, right? This is is from uh, reading too much Tim Keller. But you have to realize, too, this story is not just about Gideon, so it's not just about you. Jesus is like Gideon there, right? Jesus is like it. So he's he's this God-man. He's the human raised up from within the family to deliver the people. How? Supernaturally. How many are so thankful Jesus rose from the dead and did a miracle that you could not do for yourself? But how does he begin? He begins with our view of ourselves. God sees us in the future. Oh, hear me. I hope you're receiving this. David, God sees you in the future. I just want to prophesy to you again. God sees you in your future. He knows your gifts and abilities. Luke, he knows your gifts and abilities. He knows you're very smart. He knows your gifts and abilities. And he sees you for who you are and who you will be and what you will do in his kingdom. Nikki, God knew you had a heart for the orphan Years ago. Come on, that's why you're doing fam now, because God knows your past from your present and your future. And he looks at you and he sees the promise, not your pain. He sees your promise, not your pain. Can I say it a third time? He sees your promise, not your pain. Yes, he sees your pain. Yes, he understands what you've been through. In fact, I'm working on a sermon for the future called The Empathetic Savior because Jesus feels your pain. Jesus has felt every pain you've ever had. He lost a loved one. He was rejected by his father for that time on the cross. 
right? He's been tempted in every way, like you and I, Scripture says. He feels what you feel, but he doesn't want you to stay in that pain. So he changes our mindset of who he is and who we are. He redefines us. Notice he says, peace to you. Peace. What is the opposite of peace, right? Fear. And if we're, if we're really perceptive here, we would realize that Gideon is not hiding wheat alone. He's hiding. Scripture says he's hiding wheat. He doesn't want it to be stolen, right? But he is hiding. And there's some of you today, God is going to pull out of hiding. Come on, God's going to pull out of hiding. I want to say that again. God, there are some of you today, God is pulling out of, of, out of hiding. Even while I'm saying it, you're feeling your spirit stirring. That there's a promise in you. There's something you're going to contribute to change society, to change the world, to, to stop the pain around you. So my point today, I always try to have one main point, right? Today it's a question mark. Who are you agreeing with? That is a matter of your worship. Who are you agreeing with? Are you agreeing with the enemy? Are you agreeing with an abusive uncle or, or maybe a, a relative that said certain things about you? Are you agreeing with the enemy or are you going to agree with God? The, the, the sermon today, the main point of the sermon today is a question, who are you agreeing with? So let's go back to Judges 7. When we sing, as you're turning there, when we sing, like today, how many of you guys felt uh, just an amazing presence of God in this house? Listen, I can't, I can't even put words to that. I just... I'm speechless at what that is. There's a Hebrew word for it. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because you guys would think I was like speaking German or having a hawker. But um, there's a Hebrew word for that where the people of God just sing sp spontaneously and, and just the presence of God fills the singing. How many know what I'm talking about? And that's, that's so powerful. And I want to say you need that. And for those of you that are listening at home, I'm so glad you're listening at home, but maybe you're like the couple I met last week where you're tuning in online for a while and now you're coming. Listen, there's something about being here. There's something about being in the house of God. I hope you're hearing me. It's different than just a sermon and a podcast and your favorite song. It's, it's different to be here, to pray with the believers. Amen? Judges 7. That night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down to the camp, right? For I have given it to your hand. Now, these scriptures are not going to be on the screen because I didn't want like a hundred slides for the team to go through. So I'm going to tell you this story here. And you can either read along in the Bible app or the Rock of Grace app or just uh, listen along here. You shall hear what they say. I want you to be listening. So they went down with his servant. And the Midianites and the Malachites and all the people of the east, they lay among them like locusts. Have you guys ever seen a, a swarm of locusts? So imagine that. There's just thousands and thousands upon them. Gideon came, and behold, there was a man telling his dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, a dream. I had a dream. A cake of, of barley bread tumbled down into the camp, and it came to the tent. It hit the camp and fell and turned it upside down. The tent lay flat, and his comrade said, this is no other than the sword of Gideon. 
You have to know God is moving on your behalf. If your enemy is like, I had a nightmare about Wonder Bread. It came and it crushed us all. Come on, right? Think about that. There was this little loaf of barley. Ah, we lay dead. Right? Like, God is speaking to, to, to them to put that genuine, like, oh, no, that's Gideon, right? <laughs> as soon as Gideon heard them telling the dream and his interpretation, he worshiped. Oh, come on. Everybody say worship. You always worship before your victory. That's why last week's main point was worship brings unity. Today's point, hear me, worship brings victory. You say, no, wait, don't you worship, you celebrate, you know, after the victory? No, not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, you worship before the victory. Worship brings victory. Everybody say these three words with me. Worship brings victory. Right? So arise. He, defied, he divided the 300 men. Okay, pause, because I, I want to summarize about three, uh, two paragraphs ahead of this. There was 32,000 men, and God trimmed them down to 300. Everybody say, that is not ideal. Right? I mean, like, imagine, like, you have 32,000 and God says, so you have too many. You're going to battle. And I want Israel to know that I delivered them. And 10,000 go. And now it's 22,000. He says, no, there's still too many. Take them down to the creek. If they lap like a dog, you know. And he trims them down to 300. 300 men. So picture this. They're way outnumbered. He divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of them. Guys. Okay, your leader is taking you into battle. I want, you you got to picture this, because I know it's 2021. Right now, battle is like, I'm a social justice warrior. I'm going to text you with my thumbs up, fairy. No, this is real battle. Sorry, I don't know who that was for. All right, <laughs> slid that in. No, all right, this is real battle. All right, Dustin, this is real battle. You're going out there. Doesn't he look like a warrior? Thank you for volunteering. You just look like, just stand up for a minute, dude. If I saw you come up with 299 men, I would get out the way. It's a beard, beard of fury. He coming out and Gideon says, all right, we've got too many men. You guys go home, right? And you're standing there. You're like, uh, we need them. And then he says, put down your sword. Here, take this tuba. Right? Oh, by the way, Here's also a clay pot. Let's break it. I saw it on Joanna Gaines' show. <laughs> you can put an Edison bulb in it. How many think, like, that's ridiculous? I want to tell you, there's often what God asks you to do sounds ridiculous. But he worshiped, and hear me, he obeyed. Take these empty jars with torches and trumpets. Look at me and do what I do. When I come to the outside of the camp, when I blow the trumpet, and all you who are with me, blow the trumpet on every side of the camp for the Lord and for Gideon. Guys, that's crazy. <laughs> Everybody say, that's crazy. Must be the Sudafed. I'm fighting a head cold still, and I'm just picturing something really funny. Have you ever seen somebody blow a shofar and it doesn't go well? 
I can just picture it now. He told me to put our weapons down. I'm not a trumpeteer. He goes, right? And he's going, this is a horrible idea. There's guys going, this is, I don't know if I believe in this, but here we go. Guys, that's faith. When you do what you know you're supposed to do, even when you're fighting feelings that it is crazy. You're like, I don't even, these guys are like, I don't know how to play the trumpet. (laughs) I know how to wield a sword, right? And yet they do it and look what happens. Gideon and the hundred men who are with him go to the outside of the camp. They blew the trumpets. They smashed the jars. Three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and their right hand the trumpets. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp. All the army ran. They turned They cried, they fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord turned the enemy's swords upon themselves, comrade against comrade. So they got so confused, they just started stabbing each other. That's crazy, right? And then all these big guys are looking at Gideon. It's like, I told you it'd work, you know? I mean, that is bizarre. How many guys know it's okay to read some bizarre stories in Scripture? It doesn't make it not true. This is true. This is not an allegory. They suddenly were so confused and fearful and panicked. They're just killing each other. The enemy kills each other. Listen to this. Worship is agreeing with God, declaring who he is and what he's capable of. And I want to I circle to this. Listen, Gideon is a type of Jesus. So Jesus is the one among us, the human, the God-man, hiding in plain sight, who rose up to deliver us and give us victory. He did so with miracles, and the enemy turned on itself. Do you honestly think Satan thought that Jesus was going to rise from the dead? No. Satan thought he won when he killed Jesus. And Jesus is like, it's all part of the plan, you moron. Like, it's like, you know, it's all part of his plan. And Satan thinks he's winning, and I want to tell you guys, I want to tell you, Satan's plans to destroy you will only be used by God to refine you for greater things. Come on, let me say it again. Satan's plan to destroy you will only be used by God to refine you for greater things. Your problems and your battles, what they do is set you up to see a miracle. That's what they do. They set you up to see a miracle. So what, do you, what did Gideon do with this new courage, right? We'll come back to that in just a minute. I want to give you a couple of verses about fear and about receiving the word of the Lord. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And he does this. God tests us to trust in him. He wants us to trust in him. Now, we're going to go there. We're going to go somewhere unique this morning. I don't teach on this often, just for the next little bit. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. I want to tell you, heaven and hell are real. Supernatural is real. When you worship Jesus, when you lift up his name like you did this morning, when you do that in your car, when you do that in your house, you are raising up warfare against the enemy. And some of you, 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 you need to hear me. You need to hear me. Spiritual warfare is happening around you. Spiritual warfare 
is happening around you. And it's more real than the oxygen that you're breathing in in the chair that you're sitting on. It's very real. So worship is spiritual warfare because worship brings victory. Why? Worship is agreeing with God. Let me say this again. If you're taking notes, write this, underline it, circle it. Worship is agreeing with God. Now this next part, I'm quite certain, is going to challenge you. You guys okay with a little hard preaching this morning? I'm going to read this passage and we're going to talk about it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now let's stop for a minute. That word stronghold, the enemy would build a stronghold, right, with big stones to defend themselves. So Paul is using that in just the opposite sense, that you destroy that stronghold when you worship and when you pray. The weapons you have, they destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. I know it's a mouthful, but listen, the opinions and the arguments against the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? It's the revelation of Jesus, okay? So take captive every thought. How many were here last year in 2020 we did the mind of Christ, right? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Come on, listen, your battle is often right here. And there's things in your life that you're dealing with and you're treating it as a carnal weapon. There's somebody at work that's difficult, right? Maybe your name's Karen. I don't know. But Karen is constantly giving you problems, right? You just don't like Karen. I don't know why I feel bad for any Karen now because it's just like a funny thing. But stop treating Karen like the world treats Karen. Stop seeing Karen the way everybody else sees Karen. Instead, think with spiritual eyes, agree with God what God sees when he sees Karen. Come on, are you getting this? Because if you just look at her and you take that problem and you make it your own problem and now you attack her with the very weapon she's using and now you're both in a mess. Good job, right? Or you can pray for her. You can pray for her. Your spouse, maybe there's an issue in your marriage and it's like a stronghold. It's like this big uh, just stone wall you can't get past. Maybe you're using carnal weapons, right? To deal with this very spiritual thing. What if you just take that to God and, and worship God and pray? You see, worship and, and prayer are hand in hand. And look at this last part. Be ready to punish every disobedience. Now, by the way, he's not talking about other people. Be like, yo, I know who's disobedient. I will punish. No, he's talking about yourself. He's talking about yourself. Everybody put your hand on your heart again. Yourself. <laughs> it's like I read, did anybody, did anybody see Babylon B's last article? Has anybody subscribed to Babylon B's satire, sarcasm? And they're Christian. I think they're Christian, but they are so funny. 
and their last article this weekend was given eight ways to read the word of God. Again, in sarcasm. And, and uh, he says, um, when you see a scripture that convicts you, know, think of someone else and blame them. Clearly, God is trying to deal with them, not you. Ignore the conviction and move on to the next verse that you like. <laughs> we'll come back to that in our studying of God's word. But look at this last verse. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is in Christ, so also are we. Listen, you are in Christ. And that word remind, I want to remind you. Some of you, you need renewed in your mind. Now listen, this next part is going to hurt. Everybody say, oh no. Come on, everybody say, oh no. I'm reading this and I hear the Holy Spirit pretty loud. Say this, Jordan, the reason that some of them are not having victory in their life is because they're agreeing with me on Sunday and they're agreeing with the devil all week long. You're not going to have victory if your worship is only on Sunday and insincere. Worship is every day of your life. It's like what, what Will said last week. It's obedience to God. Worship is obedience to God. So when you feel convicted on Monday, on Wednesday, you, you stop and you change and you say, well, wait a minute, what does this, how does this glorify or not glorify God? So you need to be reminded that you are in Christ so God can renew your mind. Can I say it like this? Quit taking a knife to a gunfight. Use the spiritual weapons God has given you and pray. Get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do with this situation. Would you give me insight? If you've been filled with the spirit and you speak in tongues, pray in tongues like Paul said and use that spiritual weapon. Don't use a carnal weapon. Don't say, I'm just gonna send them a furious email. Right? No, agree with God. So here's my question again. Who are you agreeing with? Satan's view of someone or God's view? I want to read one more story as the band comes up. I want to invite the worship team to come up. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. I'm going to read this. I'm going to tell you a story about Paul. What partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Guys, I know God is speaking because I know everybody's looking over here now. They're so cool. I know they're so neat and handsome. But look right here. <laughs> All of you went. I love when y'all do that. All right. I forgot what I was saying now. Thank you. I know God is speaking because after I had written this, pat, like, who are you agreeing with? Don't agree with God on Sunday and agree with the devil all week long. And then I read this. Look at this. What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement, everybody say agreement, has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God. Guys, 
if there's an idol in your life, if there's something you think about all week long and you fixated your attention on it, that's an idol in your life. If there's something that's taking all your attention and all your money, it's an idol. This is why you don't have victory in your life. You guys doing okay? Listen, I'm gonna pray for you to have victory, but in praying for you, I'm also gonna encourage you to repent if there's sin in your life. God's not going to just bless your life if you engage in sin all week long and then Sunday hope to just sing the song. Can I preach to you? Some of you, if you want to see victory in your life, you know what the first step of your worship is? It has nothing to do with the song. It's repentance. The first step of our worship is to repent and to say, God, I was wrong. I fixed my attention. I was so fixated on this or that. I was so fixated on making sure that person at work, at work knew they were wrong. I was so fixated on the fact that that person was or was not wearing a mask. Come on. I get so fixated that that person is or is not doing this or taking that. And if you fixate and that thing becomes the center of your focus, where is your focus not? On Jesus. Come on, fix your eyes upon the lion and the lamb who is Jesus, who is the alpha, the omega, the revelation of the goodness of God. Start to pray, start to worship, and you watch victory will happen. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want to tell you this story because we're going to worship as we end the service here today. Who are you agreeing with? I want to tell you what happened to Paul and Silas. About midnight, Paul and Silas, this is Acts 16, were praying and singing hymns to God in prison. Okay, let me just say that again. They were imprisoned. He had a vision about coming to Macedonia. He came to Macedonia, but when he got there, he was imprisoned and they worshiped. Sometimes the most powerful worship you can bring to Jesus is when you don't feel like it. Let me say that again. Some of the most powerful worship you can bring to Jesus is when you don't feel like it. They're in prison. They did not feel like singing shout to the Lord. They didn't feel like it. But suddenly as they worshiped, the foundation of the prisons, prison was shaken. Immediately the doors were open and everyone's shackles were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped because he knew they're going to kill him if he cannot do this job. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? And by the way, you would ask the same question. If you lock these guys up, they worshiped. And moments later, the doors just opened up. And they said, what must I do to be saved? You see, salvation is usually a result of miracles. And miracles are usually a result of worship. Come on. Let me say that again. Salvation often follows miracles, and miracles follow worship. 
So you got to worship through that pain and through that prison. And he took them out in the same hour of the night. He washed their wounds and he baptized at once all his family. He brought them into his house and he set food before them. He rejoiced with his entire household that he had believed in God. Listen, this guy went from imprisoning them to serving them dinner. God has a way. I'm thinking of a personal story I can't tell right now because it's between me and Jesus. You know, some things just need to remain between you and Jesus, right? God has a way. Can you just close your eyes? God has a way of working all things out for your good and for his glory, but there is one thing he wants from you, worship. There is one thing he wants from you. It's a trusting God. And it's not all about singing and music, so don't misunderstand me, but I do want to say something happens when we raise our voice. Something happens when we proclaim. All of the earth was created at what? The proclamation, the declaration of the sound of Jesus' voice. There's a faith that's engaged when you proclaim, when you say it. So we're going to worship right now. And we're going to sing his praises. And you watch. God is going to fight some battles for you as you worship. How many got a battle? Can we just keep our heads bowed for just a moment? I'm just curious. How many of you right now, you say, I am in a battle. Listen, I have a friend named Jeremy right now. He's home right now with sick kids and foster kids. And he wants to be here so bad. He's in a battle. Come on, if you, need, if you know you need some victory over a very unique thing, raise your hand because I want to see your hands. So about 30 of you, 40? About, yeah, about 70 or 80 of you. Yeah, about half of you. Listen, right now, I want you to do me a favor. Don't think about that battle. Think about Jesus. And we're going to raise a voice to him. Amen? Lead us through. Weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Sing it from your gut, sing it from your spirit. My God will never fail. He's never failed, guys. He's never lost. My God will
take what the enemy meant for evil. Just like we talked about. And you turn it for good. Come on, that pain you're in. You turn it for good. He knows how to do this. He turns it for him. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take. This whole service is is Don McConnell here. Is he still here? I think I saw it. But if he's watching online, or man, I just feel like God wants to God wants to remind you of the heritage that you have in Him. That you are an amazing man of God and a warrior. And that even when you're driving in your car and you have that protector's heart, that you would you would take a bullet for somebody, you would do anybody, you would stand in the way to see it so that no, somebody else didn't get hurt. And the Lord says that he loves your heart. And you're a good man. And you're a warrior for the king. And I feel like I, I get the word time, that you feel like time's been kind of taken away, like you you've lost some time and the Lord says I'm going to double what you feel like you've lost and you're going to have such joy in your heart and your spirit I'm going to see a victory I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I just hear this I hear this word addiction everybody just bow your heads if you could close your eyes Listen, God is not wanting to embarrass you by any means. This is you and God. No one's looking around. There's some of you in here that have some addictions. I just hear that really loud in my heart. Listen, God did something similar in Cortland last time I preached there a few months back. And I had people calling me and texting me the following week saying that their addiction was totally broken that that thing that controlled them, that they could not control, that it was broken. So if you want set free, and this is important, if you want set free, if you want set free, raise your hand from that addiction. Come on, raise your hand. I don't care what it is. Smoking, it could be pornography. Maybe it's an addiction of gossip and you find yourself, you, you have a tongue that's out of control. Come on, raise your hand. You have an addiction. Yeah, about 12, 14, 15. God is going to break it right now. God, I thank you 
that your blood broke every chain of addiction, that your blood breaks every chain. God, that you can do what a program cannot do. I believe in programs and God uses programs and don't misunderstand me, but God can also do the miraculous and set you free right now. If you have something, you say, that's me. Come on, believe it. Believe it. Even say it out loud. God, I give this addiction to you because I can't control it. I can't do anything about it. I need you to rescue me. I need you to rescue me. And God, we thank you. We're going to praise you for that victory. We're going to praise you. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, those 14 or 15 people that raise your hand, I need you to listen to me. I need you to tell a friend. I need you to tell a pastor, somebody, one of these guys or one of these women in the church that you, you look up to, you know is a man, a woman of God. And after the service today, you do it today. You say, hey, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. I've lived this way for years, and today it changes. Today it changes. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to hide in a hole in the ground anymore. I'm not going to hide in a wine press. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to come into agreement with what God says, that I will be victorious over this. Don't let that addiction define you. Do not let that addiction define you. Don't let that pain define you. If ever just bow your heads for a minute. Keep your heads bowed. A woman in, the, in that white shirt, three rows back right here. No more, no more, no more letting other people define you. No more letting other people define you. In this third row back right here. Yeah, yeah, with your hand raised. Thank you. Uh, I want to tell you, Nike cannot put their logo on an Adidas soccer ball. It's, it's brand infringement. And there's been people who have tried to infringe upon your identity and have spoken things to you that play through your mind. The Lord says, I'm breaking that lie right now. I break that lie. I break that lie. I break that lie. Jesus says you are amazing. Jesus says you're my daughter. Jesus says you are beautiful. Jesus says you are wonderful. Jesus says you're creative. There's a creativity in you. And there's like a sewing or something you like to do with your hands to make things. God says, I'm bringing it back. There's a creativity in you. There's a creative innovation thing that you like to do with your hands, with practical, tactile things. The Lord says, I've given you that. No more believing what the lies said. No more believing what the enemy said. Receive my love. Receive my love. You are cherished. You are highly favored. God says, I bless you. God says, there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. There is no lie, no curse. There is no thing that no man can put on you that would change what I have said about you. You are wonderful. You are special. You are creative. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're mine. God the Father says, you're my princess. There's nothing that's going to change that. And you've been learning this. And God says, I'm teaching you to relearn some things. There was things you had to unlearn from some people that were confused. There's things that you're relearning. In particular, God says, two months. In the last two months, you've been learning again. New learning, relearning the truth of what God says about you. You are wonderful, highly favored. There's things you've cherished in your heart that I see you going like this and letting out as a praise. Things that you cherished in your heart, just like the 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, I cherish these things in my heart. And you've protected, you've kind of built this little wall of protection around you. God says, that's great, but now I'm letting that out as a testimony, as a melody, as a song of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give God a shout for what God is doing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. I raise a hallelujah. Come on, let's do one more. Let the roast burn. Come on, let's worship. In the presence of my enemy. Your worship might set your neighbor free. I raise a hallelujah. Your worship might set the person next to you free. Louder than the unbelief. Your worship changes the atmosphere. Come on, sing it. I raise a hallelujah. Let your worship rise to Jesus. My weapon is a melody. Let your worship rise to Jesus. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight Heaven's for me. Heaven's coming to fight for me.
Jesus. Come on, lift up a shout. You don't need words on the screen. Lift up a shout. when you let it out of your voice. And for too long, some of you have said, no, I'm going to let someone else worship. No, that changes today. That changes. You're going to let your worship change your, your atmosphere. Amen? And I want to prophesy to maybe your daughter or whoever that is right there in the green. Is it green? Whatever that color is. Can I get your name? Christy? I just, what is it? Kristen, I just see little kids all around you. And Father, I thank you for the children. Do you and kids, do you love kids? And you, Yeah? What do you do for a living? A what? A dog trainer? Interesting. But do you love kids? Are there kids around you and dogs? You do love kids? Two future sons coming. Beautiful. God says, I'm bringing more. And I may not say, that may not mean living in your house, but I'm telling you, there's children. Uh, children can be drawn to you, and it's beautiful. I thank you for the children's ministry, that even if it's not in a church, that there's a ministry to children in you. And it's been in you a long time. And I, God, I just thank you for that. Can you just reach your hands towards Kristen? I thank you for this ministry to children. It's beautiful. I know she takes care of dogs and stuff throughout the week, but... There, there's a ministry in you. Um, it, is, it is so beautiful. It's to kids. And it is going to be amazing. Little ones are going to look to you like, like Mother Teresa. They're just going to look to you and think, man, I am so glad for, for her. And they're going to look at you like mom. Some of them might even call you mom or mama. Right? And they, and they, but you're not their mom. And they're not physically your mom. But they're, they're looking at you saying, mom. God, I thank you for this call to kids. I thank you, Lord, that the desire in her heart for children, God says, I am answering you. God says, you've been like a Hannah. And you, I, I can't have, I don't have kids. And I'm not going to have kids. The Lord says, oh, you're going to have kids. Oh, trust me, the Lord says, you're going to have a lot of kids. And I'm not saying they will all be biological, so don't misunderstand this word. I'm saying God is bringing you children. Whether they are biological or not, they are your children. So, Father, thank you for all the little ones that will cry out, Mama, and they will find the love of parent God, of Abba Father God in her eyes and in her care. Thank you, Lord. Wow. It's going to be really special, Kristen. It's going to be really beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just bless you today. I bless you with a heart that longs for Jesus. I bless you with a desire not to hear another sermon, but to look upon his face. I bless you with a heart for Jesus. Can we close by shouting Jesus? Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.